Hi, I'm Trevor Cochran and this is The Garden Gurus Live, a weekly show where I'll share seasonal gardening advice, feature a variety of gardeners from all across Australia and give listeners the opportunity to interact and ask your garden questions. To join the chat live and ask your gardening questions, all you need to do is like our Facebook page and tune in every week. This live stream is brought to you by Still and Evergreen Garden Care. Still is Australia's most trusted brand of garden power tools, backed by 95 years of German engineering excellence. To get your hands on their range, visit your local Still dealer today or visit still.com.au. Evergreen Garden Care and their market-leading brands are some of the best-known and trusted consumer brands within the garden care market. To be inspired and easily create and maintain your garden, head to lovethegarden.com. Good morning, uh, I'm Joanne Harris and welcome to the Garden Gurus on this gorgeous autumn day. Um, I'm filling in for, um, for Trevor today. Uh, and we've got a fabulous show ahead of you. Um, there's Mother's Day, of course, is to be sorted out. Have you got it sorted out? If not, we've got uh, David Van Berkel from Garden Express joining us with a fabulous deal that will help you with that. Um, I've got some good ideas along the line too. Now it's time to get into your garden winter, get your garden winter ready. So uh, we've got some good, in, interesting articles to show you how you can do that. And later I'll share you um, share my plant of the week. As always, we'll be answering your garden questions with plenty of prizes to be won. Uh, please make sure, don't forget to put in your state um, and the, even the uh, suburb and city where you're living so that I can help direct that question best to you. Um, and make sure you hit the, um, the like button. So let's start off with some uh, some questions straight away. Let's get into them. And I hope we can answer as many as possible this week and get through them. We are constantly almost drowning in questions. So if we don't get to your question, don't forget we're on again next week. Um, anyway, Belinda from Mitchenbury, Western Sydney, um, and there's a picture attached here, so that'll come up. Um, after all the rain, she thinks that her umbrella tree has drowned. It's normally full and dark green and healthy, but it's lost so many leaves. It's half the tree um, that it used to be. And so, look, I've had a look at the photo um, and you can see here that it is. It's a very open tree, whereas normally the umbrella trees or the, um, are very full and, and very lush. Uh, it's going to be hard. I'm assuming this would be from the rains that we've had recently. Um, there's not a lot you can do about it. You can try and dry the soil out. Um, if it was in a pot, I would suggest that you could repot it, but of course it's not, it's in the ground. So it's going to be hard to change. And it looks like it might be in a fairly sheltered position, which means that the soil's not going to dry out quickly and you could end up with a root rot. Um, I would suggest that maybe you try um, getting something like Ritter rot. It's, um, uh, or go and see your garden centre and they'll tell you exactly what you need to get for uh, root rot, but certainly Ritter rot will do it for you. Um, and that may help, it may stop it. If more than uh, a quarter of your tree of the root system has gone mushy, you probably don't have a lot of um, choice but to pull that out and start again with something new. Um, yeah, good luck, Belinda. I hope that goes well. 
So then we move on to Wyala in South Australia and Kylie would like to know, how do I get rid of my family of large grasshoppers in my yard? The creatures range from one inch up to three inches. Large ones have been there over a year and causing damage to many of my plants, flowers and vegetables and can I help? We have those here in West Australia too and I think that they're pretty much across the country at the moment um, and they're huge, aren't they, the cicadas? Um, I actually send my grandchildren out to pick them um, and I've got a few staff members at the garden centre who like grabbing them. Um, it's awful but what we do is we grab them, throw them in the freezer and then uh, feed them to the chooks and things like that. So it's really a matter of um, hand taking them off. There is a product called... Um, uh, it's a grasshopper killer and it's uh, it's a product that's made by a company and I cannot remember. It'll come to me as I keep talking. But you can use something like that for crickets. Cricket and grasshopper bait is what it's called. Um, so you may be able to get some of that in your local garden centre um, or hardware shop. And um, I tend to, it is a poison and it's got, it's got bran is its main. Uh, ingredients so it will attract animals other animals and you don't want to affect the native animals especially around that are scurrying around your garden so I tend to put it into a piece of PVC piping and I, you leave the ends open and it will attract them in so that the bran is what will attract them to it um, then the grasshopper will eat that and take them off. Otherwise um, get yourself some young people that might go out and keep picking them off for you. So then we move to Tyson. Oh, good morning, Tyson. Tyson's from Baronia in Victoria. He's one of our uh, regular um, viewers. Thanks for coming on again, um, Tyson. And you're wondering, can I put bok choy seeds into my garden bed and can I please give you some tips and advice? Well, look, bok, bok choy seeds are really easy to grow. Um, so yes, you can. I tend to put seeds into a seed raising mix in a seed tray to start with and then I transplant in. I just find I have a lot better success with that. Um, and I use um, sea sole, use a half strength sea sole to make sure the soil is working well for them and you are um, also developing good strong root system with that. Um, but one of the things I wanted to say to you, Tyson, was that if you go onto a site, um, if you Google Eden Seeds and go onto their site, they have a fabulous list of, um, of seeds to grow in summer, seeds to grow in winter, and they've even got seeds for um, most of Australia and then seeds for the tropics also. You'd go for the first one, obviously. But it would be a really good idea. You could um, access that and it'll certainly help you with what you can plant and when you can plant it. So um, thanks for tuning in again, though, uh, Tyson. It's great to have you on the show. Um, Amara is in Swanview, WA. That's not far from us here. And I have a small lime green magnolia from previous owners situated close to a kumquat. Um, has always been beautiful and healthy, but after a few heat waves over the summer, I thought it was bouncing back but seems to be fading to the heavens. What shall I do? We had a pretty hot summer like a very hot summer. And if you notice that the leaves, most of the leaves that are dying or that have died are at from the base upwards and they're on the outside of the plant. You've got this planted very close to the, um, to the driveway um, and I would think that there is a fair bit of heat coming up from the ground. 
So what I would suggest is that now that the weather has changed, you can tip prune those. Don't do it um, when it's summer. So if the season's hot and this happens again to any of your plants, don't tip prune them off. Leave the dead, the sunburnt uh, leaves on your tree. And what they will do is protect any new growth coming through. Um, but yes, you have. Now you could start taking those off because they, a dead leaf or a, a sunburnt leaf um, is even partially sunburnt is not going to recover. So yeah, you can certainly take them off. And I would suggest that next summer, if we are unfortunate enough to have the same uh, type of summer that we had this year, I would suggest that you look at your watering regime and make sure that you've got enough water going in um, to the plant because that will certainly help it with um, all the reflected heat that you've got in that area. Um, beautiful trees though. It should grow into a really nice tree if it's well looked after. Um, now we've got Dorothy and unfortunately we don't know where Dorothy's from but can a red ah a banana tree survive outside the zone 7b in the US I love this plant Dorothy I'm not sure um, I really don't know I don't know uh, that particular banana tree and I'm not sure um, where you are so I really can't give you an answer Dorothy, can you get back to us next week, week with where you are? And I'll do a little bit of research for you and we'll see what we can come up with. Um, Roberta. So we're down in Rockingham now. Um, and Rockingham's just south of Perth and it's on the uh, coast. Um, we've got a picture attached and she says, I'm seeking advice on a cycad that my dad has in his front garden. He actually has two of them only metres away from each other, but one is really struggling. They're over 25 years old but in the recent years have started to go brown. He doesn't know if some sort of mite or bug or if it's from the ground. It's hard to know. There's a number of different things that it could be, Roberta. Um, the, uh, cycads are amazing trees. They can live for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, and they say they were around in the dinosaur age. However, they there's a few things that they really must have. They want to have... Um, uh, a good, well-drained soil. They will not take clay. Now, Rockingham, I don't imagine you've got clay down there, so I think we can we can um, disregard that. Uh, however, make sure the soil is well-drained. Now, something else that can happen with cycads is if you tend to water those at night time, then the water can splash onto the leaves and that can cause trouble for them too. So ask your dad if he's watering during the daytime. I think it's much better. Keep in mind also that one uh, plants are like trees. That are, sorry, plants are trees. Plants are like trees. Uh, plants are like children or adults. You know, they're like human beings. They're individuals. So you can have one a meter apart, and you still um, will have problems with one and not the other one. So, like one child can suffer from sore throats, and the other one never gets a problem. Same with plants. So you need to look at the individual plant and the individual, the area and how you're treating it. It could, in fact, be a um, scale, but I think if you, you would see the scale. So uh, the other thing, you'd see the scale. It comes on the uh, main stem and on, on the leaflets. But I think you'll find that it's possibly um, sunburn. Um, I feel like when I looked at the photo that one looks like it's in more shade than the other. Um, not sure because we can't discuss it, but 
I think that might be the problem. It may well be um, because it's uh, sunburnt. Uh, there is a cycad. Um, you can also get um, cycad scale, but you can get a palm fertilizer that will help. If you use a palm fertilizer on, I'm not sure what sort of fertilizer you're using, but if you use a palm fertilizer, it's it's developed with um, manganese. There's lots of manganese and potash in it. And cycads and palms can really, um, they can be affected by low manganese. And we know our sandy soils here in Perth have got no, uh, very little trace elements in it. So perhaps it might be a good idea to consider that and um, put some trace elements on it. Go out and get yourself some Sabrina Han trace and you'll find you can spray that on. Um, alternatively, it's if the plant is, if the, the frond is dying, it's a good idea to cut that frond off because the plant will put all its energy into that frond and try and help it rather than grow. So perhaps a, a prune might be a good idea also. That was an interesting, um, uh, really interesting uh, question. I've seen a lot of palms and a lot of cycads this year have the same problem. So now we're off to South Australia in the Adelaide Hills with Sam and he's via YouTube. Um, he says he loves his podcast and he listens every week. Thanks very much, Sam. We really appreciate it. Um, just wanted to know if the best time to transplant a citrus tree. Um, for me, I would transplant a citrus tree in spring. So make sure that you're in the Adelaide Hills so you're going to have possibly some frost. So you want to be make sure that you're well away from the frost and in the growing season. And that's when uh, citrus grow is in the warmer climate. So do it before the really hot summer comes along and, um, and you should be fine with it. Uh, dig out to as far as the root system, out, sorry, as far as the... Um, the tree canopy is, which is what we call the drip line. So then you can dig a, um, a trench around that, put some sea sole in it um, and feed it up with some good water for a couple of days and then dig down as deep as you can. If you can't get a lot of root system out or if the tree has a small root system, then it's well worth pruning the tree back to the size of the root system before you plant it on. Um, but it's, uh, it's possible and it's well worth using um, some sea salt just to help the, the tree settle in. So off to Ingham in northern Queensland and Doug is wondering if he, we can help tell us, is this just sunburn on my avocado tree as it's darkening only on the west-facing side or could it be for the root rot or phytophthora, which is um, what um, avocados do tend to suffer from. Look, from looking at your um, your uh, picture here, I would think that it, you're right, that you've guessed that it's sunburn, and I would think that it is sunburn. Generally, when you've got um, a phytophthora in your, or a dieback in your avocado, it generally comes from the top. So it comes from the stems and, uh, and works its way down. So I would think that that is, I love the fact that you've got some really good foliage, uh, sorry, really good mulch on there. Um, the foliage looks really healthy, but I notice that it's also next to a dark fence. So it might be that um, you need to, uh, maybe for the next couple of years, it's a young tree I can see that you've got. So maybe for the next couple of years, it'd be a good idea to perhaps drape something over the fence directly behind the avocado 
might not look so great for the, for a couple of years, but it'll stop the sun from beating down on the on the stems and causing sunburn. Okay, and then Amber, who's also we don't know where you're from. Uh, what is the latest? I can prune a bottle brush to shape it. Ah, look, you can keep pruning right up until the weather starts getting colder. Um, they're pretty hardy things. I tend to do mine um, when they're starting to, the, the growth is happening again. So for me in West Australia, I tend to do it in um, after spring in the early air at times when the, the plants are starting to take off again. Um, and I think rule of thumb for the rest of Australia really too. Just keep in mind you don't want to, uh, certainly don't want to um, uh, prune when the frost starts coming in. So if you're getting really cold mornings and you're noticing it, I wouldn't consider pruning it until later. All right. So um, we've got Mother's Day coming up and um, there's some great ideas. So we're going to join Garden Express um, who never leave us disappointed and, and never leave you disappointed either. Um, we were going to talk about some uh, fuchsias this morning, but, uh, of course, the deal was so fantastic. We've changed and we've now come up with something even better, uh, but we're looking at spring bulbs. So welcome to the show, David. It's nice to speak to you again. Morning, Joanne. How are you going? Really well, thank you. It's a wonderful day here. Just before we start, I want to congratulate you on your display at the Melbourne Garden and Flower Show. It was fantastic. I didn't get there this year, but from all accounts and from what I've seen of photos, it was fantastic. So congratulations. Well, thank you so much for that. Yeah, the, uh, the Flower Show was, was an amazing event and we, uh, and we had so much fun as we touched on with Trevor last week. And um, I'm getting that, that feedback from, uh, from a few other people uh, around town as well, which is really rewarding when you put in the effort that we all do yeah. to go there and present. So, yeah, beautiful. It's a massive effort. It's a massive effort. But Garden Express put in a massive effort for everything they do, to be honest, without being corny about it. I love the what you've got on offer this week for us for Mother's Day. Yeah, look, we, uh, as you said, we had, the, uh, we had a beautiful collection of fuchsias and um, they were incredibly popular at the flower show as well. And this weekend uh, we've sold all of the kits off the back of the uh, – the TV show. So we were meant to be talking about it today and um, they're all gone. I think we're on for a few more weeks before we get another another range of fuchsias coming in. So um, keep your eye out for them. All these yep, look lost. Absolutely. Great. Yeah, today, well, today, um, yep, please go ahead. Yep, today we've got for you uh, the last of our Flower Fest spring bulbs. So the, uh, the Flower Show and then the online Flower Fest have been selling really well. But we've got some of these beautiful value packs um, that we're keeping online just for today. Um, and we've got some really good value. These are valued between, we've got 15 to 20 bulbs, um, Dutch iris, daffodils, jonquils, valued up to $28. And today only we're doing them for $9 a pack. That's amazing. But that's also delivered in, into the house, into the person's house, or is, that, is there delivery on top of that? Plus the delivery fee. I think our basic delivery fees. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was yeah. thinking it would have to have been, David. I mean, that's just a, a crazy price for bulbs. Um, I often give bulbs at Easter time, but I think Mother's Day time is a great time to give bulbs. And when you're only paying $9 plus freight for, for that many bulbs, they you could probably add in for your mum a bulb planter and a pair of gloves also. Yeah, absolutely. Look, there's plenty of the uh, of the hardware lines that uh, that make really good gifts. We've got the beautiful baskets uh, still available. 
and oh, yeah. uh, you can fill a basket with the with the bulbs as well. So the um, but the show bags, the uh, sorry, not the show bags, the value packs. They they're just for today for, uh, yeah. for viewers and uh, and listeners today. All right, so everyone, get onto um, onto the website of Garden Express and get your order in because this isn't going to last. I can tell you now, it it won't last. And thank you, David. You always come up with something fantastic. I really appreciate it. And you've got to remember that Garden Express have top quality products. So you're not only getting something at a cheap price, you're really getting a good quality plant too. Thanks very much. Thanks, Joanne. It's beautiful. Thanks very much, David. Nice to speak to you again. Garden Express are Australia's leading mail order gardening service, offering a wide range of quality garden products. Each week on The Garden Gurus Live, the team at Garden Express will share a weekly offer. So make sure after today's show, you jump online and visit their website. Yeah, really, people, you've got to get on there and and get that bike because this won't last. Um, And um, I sell um, David's bulbs in our shop and I feel very comfortable selling them because I know the quality is there. Um, Okay, so... We're going to move on today, and Susan is in Mullaney, Queensland. What a beautiful part of the country, Susan. Should I put my bowls in yet? Look, um, I would probably make sure that the, the hot days are gone. I'm not sure what your – well, Mullaney, it's a little bit higher. I think probably yes, having said uh, gone around that in a roundabout way. So, yes, you probably could put your bulbs in. I'd hold off if you're going to do some tulips. Hold off a little bit longer. Otherwise, yes, get them in. Um, Okay, so Donna, okay, guys, I need to remind you, (laughs) please put your suburb and your uh, state and suburb because then I can direct the question, um, but I'll give this a a try. Uh, Donna uh, just wanted to know why her Nelly Kelly is not growing. Leaves are dropping after going yellow and she's planted four plants north-facing and only one is growing well and not the others. Okay, so with your passion fruit, you can find that um, if you don't if you don't water it on a consistent basis, it can um, start dropping. So if you're in an area where you've had to do some hand watering or you're reticking it, um, and again, I know that it's each individual plant that they're, they're individuals. So you can find that even though you've got them in a row, um, each area can be a bit different and you might find that when you prepared the soil one wasn't uh, the three weren't prepared as well as the other one or you might find that you've got some um, mites so mites will affect um, passion fruit so have a look for them they will red spider mite is what generally comes on passion fruit and you'll find that um, you can uh, see the webbing so look at on the leaves, the underside of the leaves, and see if you can see the webbing. Mites are so tiny, you generally won't see them. Um, there's a very good uh, website called Bugs for Bugs, and you can uh, log onto that and then put in the bug that you've got or possibly got in this case, and it will give you the good bug, the predator insect that you need. Um, so, yeah, that might be a way to deal with it also. Otherwise, look at your watering and see how that's uh, being handled. Okay, so Peter's in Brisbane, Um, so we're back up in Brisbane in Queensland, and she's wondering um, if anyone can please help me with my lemon tree. 
She's an old tree, always bearing beautiful, big, juicy fruit. But most of the crop comes out with an almost scale-looking skin. I've been battling gall wasps and feel I've finally beaten those, but the skin keeps happening. Today, while picking some ripe fruit, I noticed a few leaves were rusty-looking spots. I've noticed them before. So you're quite right, and it's good that you've um, shown us the rusty spots on that photo also because that's what it is. You'll find that it's, um, it's a, um, a citrus rust and you, it's, a, it's a mite. And the mite will actually pierce the skin of the, the lemon as it's growing, and that's why you get that covering, that rusty covering over it. So, again, you can go to somewhere like Bugs for Bugs and bring in some, some bugs and do it naturally. Um, otherwise, I think you'll find that um, white oil, not white oil, sorry, pest oil, eco oil, any of the horticultural oils will do it for you, um, and they'll certainly uh, help with the rust. But, yeah, you'll need to get rid of the mites. You're really lucky that your plant keeps. You must have a very healthy plant at the same time because it's continuing to, um, uh, to produce fruit for you. All right, so uh, we're going to Balcombe Hills and there's a picture of Trap attached and she's wanting to know what the tree is. Um, I think your name is Matiha. I'm sorry, last week I pronounced something wrong, really wrong, and I'm a bit afraid to do that again today, but I think it's Matiha. And anyway, Matiha lives in Balkan Hills. And the tree that we're looking at now, um, I think you'll find that that is a Chinese tallow. Looks a bit like a tallow from the bark, although it's a little bit hard. The, there's also um, a Euphorbia cotinifolia, I think it is, that it may be, does the plant change colour in the wintertime? If you get good yellows and golden colours and reds and, and really deep burgundy colours, then it's more likely to be a Chinese tallow. If it goes just a beautiful burgundy colour, then it's, it would probably be um, the, um, the cottonifolia. So, Alan... You guys are giving me a hard time today. Alan, I don't know where you're from either. Can you please give me the quantities of water, sugar and Vegemite? Well, it doesn't matter where you are, is it? Um, I actually don't use the water, sugar and Vegemite one. I used to, uh, but I tend to find that the um, if you use a cup of uh, cider vinegar, it's actually really effective. And you just put the cider vinegar in. And I usually put a couple of drops of um, horticultural um, soap into it also and that just helps it so yeah use that uh, you can actually spray it onto one side of the tree also and that will attract and then hang the the bait in that side of the tree and that will help attract the insects to that part of the tree and into it so yeah use the bait it's great using a natural bait um, but also spray the tree on one side the side you're going to or the part where you're going to hang it um, Tala from Leaderville in New South Wales, just around the corner. Um, what's the best full sun ground cover to survive cracker frosts and harsh Aussie summers? Right. Okay, Tala, you must have a house down south or something because we don't get cracker frosts in Leaderville. Oh, Leaderville, it's, it's, I beg your pardon, we're in Leadville, New South Wales. I've done it again. Um, okay, so Tala, 
Yeah. Okay. So you do get frost there and hot summers. There's um, a couple of really good natives ones. I like Myoporum. It's a very pretty native and will certainly survive. And the other one that's uh, really tough is Hemiandra. So Hemiandras are the snake uh, vine. Um, that's a really good one also, and that'll um, that'll certainly survive the frosts. Otherwise, you could always try the Traculus burnum flat mat, which is a, a ground cover Chinese um, star jasmine, and I know that will take a frost also, so you could um, always try that. Okay, so now we're in, at Natalie, is at Seaford in Victoria on the Bayside. Um, recently planted two trees in my garden, a weeping cherry and a crepe myrtle. Both are brought home in the back of a trailer uncovered. Ugh. The weeping cherry looked very sad when we got home and the leaves had shriveled up and not really, not really since look, not looking better since. Uh, what can you do to help it? Mm, I see this all the time. We're, we're constantly saying to clients, drop your trees down. We actually cover the tree with newspaper so that you can put the tree inside your car, even if it's in the well of the front seat and coming back into it, or if it's a bigger tree like you've got with the weeping cherry, um, then you have to drop it down on your trailer or on, on the back of your utility. Um, anything, it's kind of like, can you imagine putting a child up on a boat and, and putting it up above the, um, the windscreen and the wind hitting it? it's going to burn. So what you've essentially done is burnt your tree and burnt it quite badly. I would um, suggest that fortunately the leaves are going to fall off and I'm hoping that it hasn't damaged the branches and the trunk and certainly it won't have damaged the root system. So if you treat this um, tree well, if you've planted it well and you've given it adequate water, that's excellent. I would give it some sea sol. The leaves are going to fall off of both of the trees soon. Um, so you're going to get nice new leaves and uh, it'll forgive you for, for the awful ride home. Okay, so, um, oh, and look, use some sea salt. That's uh, something that uh, will always help um, address those sort of issues. Okay, so now's the time to get prepared for winter um, and the team at Still can help you show, show you how. Enjoy this. So I've headed into my local still dealer. Now Brett's going to help me out because I'm looking for a line trimmer. Now Brett, my backyard's not a huge backyard. I've probably got 150, 200 square metres of lawn. I'm really looking to just keep it finely manicured. What's the best line trimming option? So you've got a few options. First of all, you need to work out whether you're going to go battery mm -hmm. or you're going to go with the petrol models. Yep. Our entry level model, you start off with the FS38. This is a great entry level model just your runabout, your trim ups. Yep. It puts out 0.65 of a kilowatt. Now, if you have grass that gets a little bit higher or you want that little bit more power, yep. we step up to the FS45. Mm -hmm. It's got the same displacement motor, except for it puts out 0.75 of a kilowatt. So that's just giving you that little bit more power. There's a bent shaft and a straight shaft. What's the difference? The difference between these is it has a bend in the shaft which goes into a bearing housing. With a straight shaft, very popular in your commercial models, mm -hmm. and also taller people find that these work really well because they've got a straight shaft down into a gearbox, which allows you to have more options. Far better for the commercial operator. Definitely. All right, I think I've worked it out. What line trimmer do you need? Well, the place to find out is from people like Brett here in your local steel dealer. 
Hi again. Look, I still have some great products. I use still at the garden centre for all of our equipment and uh, they last a long time. They work well. Trevor's got it all covered for you. So head down to the still shop if you're needing to um, to uh, re replace or uh, buy anything uh, new for the garden. So we've got that time again. We were at the plant of the week and as usual, I couldn't stick to one. I bought three. And, and I was inspired last week when I when the weather changed and I thought, oh, it's time for soup. So I got out um, a soup recipe and thought, well, I'll do a vegetable soup and what am I going to do with it? And what I had in the, the my um, my fridge was I had some turmeric um, and some garlic and some ginger. And I thought, well, I'll use those as the, uh, the base. Um, and it was fabulous. You should Google it. It's great soup. So what we're going to do this, this week is we've got garlic. We've got some turmeric. And we've got some ginger. So they're all relatively easy to grow. The garlic cloves, this is when you must plant your garlic now. And I've bought some cloves. Um, we, this is how we sell them. In bags, they're about 180 grams. Um, really nice. The, the ones I've got I love because this is from a farm that don't spray and it's organically grown. So uh, it's great. You plant, so here's the bulb, and you're going to plant it the blunt end down with the pointy end up and plant it mm, 15 centimetres down in the ground, 15 centimetres apart from each, bulb, from each clove. And I always like to leave a bit of space in between so that you can walk through the area, but also so that you can ensure that there's no weeds. You can get rid of the weeds without pulling the bowl also. Um, so um, a garlic takes approximately nine months, nine to ten months. So you plant it now in April and then you'll harvest it in, uh, in summertime. Uh, fabulous thing and really easy to grow. So fret, there's nothing better than a fresh um, bulb of garlic. So the other one, though, that I've started growing recently is ginger. Um, and I'm really enjoying this. It's, um, it's an easy one to grow. Ginger is a rhizome, very similar to turmeric. Only when and you can plant these in, um, in pots. I've got mine in raised garden beds. Um, for the ease of that and I've put in most of my tubers into that garden bed. I've also got some um, some artichokes, the Jerusalem artichokes in there. So tubers um, are not really a root, the root comes off the tuber but the tubers like to grow in one direction also. So with something like um, ginger you like you, you need to have um, a wide vessel if you're going to do it in a, in a pot um, because they will, they'll keep growing in one direction. And if you had something like a, say, 40 or 50 centimetre pot, you could probably put, say, seven good-sized uh, rhizomes in them. Make sure that those rhizomes have got really good eyes on them so that that's the, the shoots, um, so that they continue to shoot. These take 10 to 11, usually about 10 months to um, for the time for when you can then harvest it. And you'll find that the foliage will go very yellow and start to die down and then you can start um, picking your, your rhizomes, collecting them. You can replant those rhizomes too. So you can keep them, if you're living in an area where it's a bit colder, then you can always um, 
lift all the rhizomes, keep a few of them for next year's planting and on you go again. So you've constantly got rhizomes to plant. Um, they're not heavy feeders, but they do like to be fed. So make sure that you give them a good um, a good sea soil when you plant them and then um, a good fertiliser once a month is always wise. Um, so I've also got here, and I'll show you. Oh, let's get that down a little bit for you. Okay, so some of the leaves are not looking so great. We've had a pretty hard summer here. Um, however, what we have got in this also is you'll see um, a very small root coming out here, plant leaf coming out here. And I don't know if you can see, but my pot is actually becoming elongated. And that's that same thing where um, rhizomes will grow um, in one direction. So with turmeric, you can grow it, you need to grow it in a, a deeper pot also. Um, garlic and ginger can be grown in a, a wide and lower, like more like a bowl even. Um, but turmeric grows very long roots down from the tuber. So you need to have a nice, big, deep pot and a wide pot to, to be able to put it in. They're quite aggressive growers. So, um, yeah, make sure you have a nice big pot. Um, they, uh, you'll harvest them at the same time as ginger. They need about four or five hours sunlight. Um, and one thing with these plants, both the turmeric and the ginger, not the garlic, but the turmeric and the ginger will go dormant when it's below 20. So if you plant, in fact, even garlic will, will go uh, dormant in a really cold area. So if you plant them now and you don't see anything really happening, nothing's coming up through the surface of the soil, don't worry about that. It just means that they're putting all their energy into their root, into the bulb or the tuber, and that's a good thing. Okay, so continue with what you need to do. Fertilise it monthly. They do love humidity too, the, both the, because they're a, a tropical and subtropical plant, the ginger and the turmeric. So like you put out bowls of water for your insects and the birds, I also put out bowls of water around my plant like that, and that way the humidity, as, it, um, as the water evaporates, it uh, gives humidity for the plants. So... Uh, yes, it's winter time, and maybe not this year. You'll be um, be making soup with your own garlic, turmeric, and uh, and ginger. But certainly by next year, if you plant them now, you'll have them, and by next winter, you'll have a wonderful fresh crop to be able to um, to fill your pantry with. So yeah, get down to your garden centre and see if you can't buy some of those. You might find if you're in Melbourne or Tasmania that these are going to be harder to get and it will be only through the summertime that you can access those plants. For those of you that don't have access to them, you can buy the tubers of, excuse me, of, and the, the bulbs of garlic, the tubers of either of the, the, um, the ginger or the turmeric. But when you do, just be careful that you buy really fresh and that it has on the tuber has some good eyes. If it doesn't have some good eyes, it's not going to sprout for you and then you'll be disappointed. So that's our plant of the week um, or plants of the week um, for today. This show is brought to you by The Garden Gurus and Evergreen Garden Care. Evergreen Garden Care and their market-leading brands are some of the most trusted consumer brands within the garden care market. 
They produce high-quality garden care products designed to help people create their own green oasis. Whether it's a garden, a balcony or potted indoor plants, they want to inspire anyone, anywhere to be able to easily create and maintain their own garden. To find out more about Evergreen Garden Care, head to www.lovethegarden.com. Which takes us into the next question, uh, because Marilyn, who lives in Perth, she's at Shenton Park, and um, she has a white flowering ginger that didn't flower, and she's wondering what to do with the stems of those. Well, I'm not sure you need to do much with the stems of those. Um, you'll find that um, the white flowering one, you can prune it back, uh, Marilyn. Um, I would wait. Uh, no, I would be doing that now. So you could um, prune those off, but you want to make sure that you've got some good um, stems coming up that the, the tubers are sending up more for you. The reason why it didn't flower on your ginger, it might be that you haven't fed it well enough. It was, like I keep saying, it was a very harsh summer. So the plants were grabbing all the nutrients they could to survive. So you might find that with a little bit more fertilizer and check out what you're fertilizing with. If, have a look at the back for the, the ingredients. And if it's really high in nitrogen, you possibly need to change to a different fertilizer also. Because uh, nitrogen, of course, we know that is for growth, green growth. So if you've got this beautiful plant with lots of green growth and lots of good foliage on it, but no flowers, it's often because we're feeding it the wrong um, the wrong. Uh, fertilizer. So have a look at a more balanced fertilizer, something with a bit more uh, potassium in it and it'll help. Okay, so soil is the key and it's the key for everything. Look, the foundation of anything, whether you're building a house or uh, raising children or planting a garden, the foundation of that is the most important thing to do. Um, that's where you know you're going to get uh, good results. Um, so the, the soil, it really is the key when you're gardening. If you're planting or buying a plant for your mum this, this um, Mother's Day, if you've got on there and got your bulbs already, you need to have some good soil for that. Or if you decide to go down to the garden centre and get her a few punnets of, of veggies because she loves veggie gardening, then make sure um, that you've got the right soil for it. Um, and um, Scott's Performance Naturals, our premium mix is a fabulous uh, potting mix. Um, Scott's, uh, it's got three months slow release fertilizer in it. Um, it's fantastic for vegetables and things like that. It's got a higher nitrogen and it's a fast acting nitrogen um, that they've got. It's, it contains what they call Nature N and it's a, a very good um, natural rich in nutrient um, fertilizer. So um, it's all natural. It certainly works. Um, I really like the way Scots constantly look at not only producing a good product, but they also uh, look at um, recycling. And everything they do, they consider it. So 50% of the plastic bag that they use on their goods is recycled plastic. And you can put these into the red cycling, which is fantastic. So as much as it's not about the soil, I like the added um, fact that you can also be recycling with it. You know, if you're filling up veggie beds um, or anything, lots of pots of bulbs, say, 
um, you you know you can easily go through two or three, and they're big bags of plastic. So um, have a look at whatever. Uh, premium potting mix you buy and make sure that that particular company is following Scots and doing a good job at recycling for us. But getting back to the soil, um, look, I love the fact that they've also got, they've got a blood and bone in there, which has nitrogen and phosphorus, and that's really healthy for good leaf growth and root development. And when you're planting something, that's what you want to start with is good root development. So it's also high in calcium. There's a really high calcium content in it, and that gives you stronger stems. So have you ever seen, you know, you buy a bunch of flowers, um, and gerberas tend to do it on me a lot in sunflowers, and they're growing really nicely. And two days after you've you've um, bought them from the florist, they, they just bend over. And that is, one, because the cells have grown way too fast and they haven't had enough calcium in them to make them strong, just like our teeth. Um, so, yeah, look, it's a, a great product. If you're going to buy a potting mix, um, look at one like the Scots Performance Naturals Premium Mix um, or, or any good premium potting mix, but in particular this one because it does have some great, um, great things in it that will help all your plants. Um, thanks to Scots for, the, for, for that. I'm glad that they bring out such wonderful products. Um, look, don't forget to hit that like button. And also, just as a reminder, please put your suburb in so I can direct the answer to your question. Um, okay, so we're going to Wagga in New South Wales. And Ben says, hi, Joe. Can I prune my Japanese boxes now or should I wait until spring? Thanks. You know, in Wagga, I would probably tip prune only if you're going to prune now. I would suggest that it won't be long before you start getting some um, heavier frosts or at least some really cold weather. Um, so I would wait until spring when you, that new growth is starting to happen. But if you find that you've got the odd um, branch that's looking really straggly or is, is out of control, then perhaps tip that off or tip prune only if you need to, to bunch it out. I know here in Perth and in a number of areas in Australia, we'll still be getting some good growth. We're still, we've still got warm soil here. I'm not sure about Wagga, I'm sorry, whether it's really warm there still. But if your soil is still warm, you could possibly, and, and you're finding that you're getting growth on other things, you could then possibly look at no more than 30% of the plant. Um, but yes, wait until spring would be the best one to go. Thanks, Ben. Um, okay, Christine in Stirling, and I'm assuming that's uh, Stirling uh, in WA. So Christine says, good morning to Joanne and all the others at Garden Guru Productions. I've just discovered citrus gall wasp oh, on my daughter's dwarf lime, and I would love to know what your experience is with it and what you consider to be the best way to tackle the issue. Um, I've already reported it. Well, thanks for doing that. That's really great, Christine, because I think that we need to report lots of things like that. Um, okay, so with regard to this, there's been some toing and froing about what the experts are saying. Originally, we all said cut it back, cut it out. So cut out, go back to the gall wasp and cut below that. Each time you make a cut, and this is with anything you're doing uh, when it comes to pests and diseases, is wipe your blades of your secateurs with some, um, some uh, bleach. Um, or even a lemon, just to get rid of the um, any pests that might have uh, come on or disease that might have come onto your blade because you're going to transfer it to the next. 
So there are two ways of looking at it. The experts were saying to cut it out. And then there was a great thing came out, and I've used this uh, way and I've managed to do it okay, but I can see why people are saying that it's not such a good idea also. And that's to get a potato peeler. And where you've got your gall to shave that down so that it, it, you shave away the top and you um, expose the line of the gall wasp where the pupae are. All right. And once you expose those to the sun, they die. Now, the problem that has happened to a lot of people is that when they're shaving it back, rather than shaving it back and keeping a good amount of the cambium layer of the cells of the plant, they're actually um, shaving it all around and you're basically killing the plant, that part of the, the, the tree, because it can't then, the uh, sap can't get up through it. You're ring barking it, basically. So I think there's two ways you can look at it. If your tree is a big, if it's a big lime, and or even a little lime, but it's got lots on it, I personally would probably try using the potato peeler method, because otherwise you're cutting it back to next to nothing. Um, and have a look at it that way. If you've not got a lot of it, you might like to just prune it off, okay? It's a really good idea to have a chat with your neighbours also and see if they've got it as well and teach them or ask them what they're doing and see if you can't get a bit of a gathering together and you might have a uh, gall wasp party and the neighbourhood could fix this because what I find is if you've got your neighbour hasn't bothered to do anything or is un unknowing that it needs to be done they just can continue to produce the the pest for you and it just keeps coming into your yard so perhaps have a bit of a chat with your neighbor also good luck with that um susan is in north side in brisbane and she planted these trees 11 years ago okay so susan um unfortunately You've sent us in a question where you're asking about some trees 11 years ago and she said they were doing well for the last couple of years but the one on the left died a year or two ago. Unfortunately, Susan, what you forgot to do was send in your photo. So I actually can't do that for you. Um, but I'd love to do it. I love trees and, and, and I'm fairly good with trees. So how about next week um, and by Wednesday, get that photo in. Um, that's for everybody. If you've got any photos or questions, get it in by Wednesday and then we can get that organised um, to be able to put it up on the screen and answer your question for you. So I'm really sorry, Susan, but at the moment I would be guessing all sorts of things and I wouldn't be able to help you. Um, so we're off to Parkerville, which is up in the hills of, of, um, of Perth. And Greg has said, good morning, team. We're in Parkerville and our place is an ATU system for the sewerage. Currently in the process of replanting the garden beds, it waters and wanting to know if grevilleas and other natives will be okay on such treated water. Yes, I think they will be. And I'm pretty sure they are, Greg. But what I am going to do is I'm going to check on that for you because I'm just not exactly sure um, so I'd like to get back to you on that one. Um, so next week um, I'll have an answer for you. Uh, okay, we're off to Sydney, the other side of the country now, and Marina just wondering if it's too late or too cold to repot orchid cymbidiums. Any tips? Uh, I don't think it would be in Sydney. 
Um, I don't imagine that you're getting a, a frost or too cold, so you could repot those. Um, it is a little bit late, but I think you could probably get away with it. Um, Jillian's in Bendigo in Victoria, and my young jacaranda tree have aphids. Is this common? Also, is what is the best bottle brush for a hedge? Okay, so my young jacaranda tree has um, has aphids. Is it common? It's not common. It's not a common thing, but it's got them, so I will treat them for that. And you can use something like EcoFend, um, Success, um, or even just an um, Eco Oil and to get rid of those. And what's the best bottle brush for a hedge? Um, look, there's quite a few. There's some um, really nice low-growing ones um, that have beautiful uh, red growth, and I think one's called Red Rocket or is it Red Blaze? And that's very different, isn't it? So, but it's Red something. Um, and it's fabulous. It's got this really wonderful red new foliage that grows through it. Um, I like, um, there's a, a purple one out, which I'm really enjoying too. And um, the, the other one I like for a hedge is the Mary McCallop. Um, it's a really pretty foliage. And it's an easy one to grow. And I love the deep, deep, deep red of the flowers on her on her tree. So hope that's helped you a bit and sorry about your jacaranda, not sure why, but just treat them and they should go away. All right, so now we're heading back to Queensland and it's at Ipswich and Jan Morrissey would, uh, should we lift gladiolo bulbs after they've flowered or leaved in the ground? Look, if you're in most areas of Australia, you can leave them in the ground. Uh, it's cool enough. Um, Perhaps in Ipswich, I would be inclined to lift them after they've flowered, dust them off with sulphur and put them into a paper bag. I tend to keep mine in my uh, linen cupboard because that's a linen cupboard is generally a very dry area in your house and it's often a warm area. So it'll warm not as in hot, but it has warmth about it. So your uh, bulbs will be safe in that sort of environment. Bulbs can be attacked by mites. So when you bring them out of the soil, if you let them dry off and then dust them with some sulphur before you put them in the bag, you'll be less likely to have this. If they were some hanging around, they'll be gone by the time you come to plant them again next year. Okay. Excuse me a moment. <coughs> Sandra, okay, we're staying up in Queensland. We're in Brisbane. And I'm just going to have a, have a drink. Sorry. Okay. Sandra's from Brisbane. Would you recommend topping Tommy Toe tomato plants when they grow taller than our six-foot stake? Goodness me. Thanks, loving your program. Thanks for the compliment, Sandra. It's great. Um, yeah, I would top them. Um, you are really growing good tomatoes if they're getting taller than your six-foot stakes. So, yes, I would top them. Uh, get some good tomato fertiliser onto them too and they might grow even taller. Um, Jaffa, and we don't know where Jaffa is, uh, but wondering what happened to my flowers it has small flowers and leaves mostly fall off okay i'm sorry jaffa i'm not sure have we got a photo for that no there's no photo so okay let's just talk a little bit broad then um so flowers when they're small it may be that you haven't fed them well or fed them the right fertilizer and if your leaves are falling off, there's all sorts of reasons why that can happen. It can be a pest and disease. 
Um, it could be that you are overwatering. Um, if they're going, if the leaves are going brown around the edges um, first, then uh, before they fall off, then it could be that you've overwatered them. If they are going yellow and falling off, it may well be that um, you've underwatered them. So it's a little bit difficult to know uh, exactly what you what how to answer your question, Jaffa. But I hope that gives you a little bit of understanding. Um, if your flowers are small, it's a really good idea just to look at what fertilizer regime you're doing, and then have a really good look at what the, the your watering um, system is uh, to know what's happening with those leaves falling off. Joe, perhaps next time, put in where you're from. So let me know what suburb you're from and perhaps send a photo in uh, by Wednesday of this week and we can help you even further. Okay. So we're off the Gold Coast. Going to really visiting Queensland today. And Charmaine, she has a self-sown grevillea and it's about one year old and six foot tall but it's not flowered. I'm not sure the parentage is, as I have a few different ones around the yard. How long might it take until I get a flower and what are the chances it might be completely new flower if it's a crossbreed from another's in my garden? Oh, wow, that would be really exciting. If that's the case, you really need to get hold of some of the plant breeders and um, see, what, see what you can do with that if it is a, another crossbreed. Um, sometimes it can take up to three years for um, the self-sown grevillea to um, flower. Or it might be that it needs more fertilizer, less fertilizer, etc. So you've got to look at your fertilizing and where it's self-sown. Um, generally, things self-sown into an area where they, they most like it. But it can also happen that it's in an area that all of a sudden something else was planted there and it's too shady. So um, have a look at its situation. Um, and what you're fertilising it with. Um, and, yeah, if it's a crossbreed, get in touch with the plant growers and uh, let's uh, get that out onto the market. Um, okay, so we're down to Victoria. And Liz has asked, is it too late to plant spring bowls in Mornington for um, e.g. tulips? No, it's not too late. Um, look, it's it's getting too late for lots of things. It's, it's getting there. You need to get onto Garden Express, buy those bulbs that um, that we were talking about earlier with David, and yeah, get them into the ground. Tulips, leave them in your fridge for a little bit longer. Maybe um, I know here in WA, I'll plant my tulips um, uh, at the end in June, um, but it's a bit warmer here. So I think May is the latest that you should be planting tulips. Um, so a bit jealous that you can plant tulips the way you can over there. Alan, um, he missed oh he missed my answer earlier. Can you give me okay? So Alan, I actually don't know the the quantities of water, sugar, and Vegemite. I loosely know them. Um, when I used to use that, I would use maybe a cup of water to a teaspoon of Vegemite to a tablespoon of sugar. Um, you can use brown sugar, which is far less refined. So the less refined the sugar is, the better it is also. However, what I found in my own experience, which I get better results with, is by using a cup of um, <clears throat> cider vinegar, apple cider vinegar, and I put in a couple of drops of, um, of horticultural um, soap, so that it then um, it helps stick with it. 
I don't just put it in a container and put it under my tree. And I generally on a large tree or a large, say, a three to four metre size citrus, I would put two traps in those trees. But what I also do is I spray or put a little bit of that on top onto the leaf also um, and spray it on. And what it does is it attracts the fruit fly to that side of the tree so you're more likely to capture them in your, in your trap. So thanks for coming back to us, Alan. Um, look, have you been enjoying our 20th anniversary series with the Garden Gurus? Uh, before we wrap up, here's a sneak peek of what's about to come for episode 10. that orchids come from every corner of the planet. There are 30,000 wild orchids and they come from the coldest mountainous regions of the world to the warmest, most tropical rainforests. Autumn brings beautiful changing colours and a little bit of leaf litter which can make the garden look a little bit messy but having a good blower is a staple in any garden shed. And if you're in the market for one, this one from Still is the perfect one, is the BGA 57. Now I reckon the gift that really says I care is one that you have created with love yourself. So grab yourself a trolley, get out into the garden centre and start picking out all the different plants. Now for my mum this Mother's Day, this is what her gift is going to look like. Okay, so it's been a pretty fast and hard and fast day today. Lots and lots of questions coming through and we really appreciate them and we're glad that you're enjoying the show. Um, look, don't forget, hit that like button. Um, Robin, our wonderful producer here, will send out uh, a message to all our seed winners after today's show. Um, I'm actually back next Monday, um, filling in for Trevor again. Uh, so we'll see you next Monday uh, for another session of the Garden Gurus Live at 12 p.m. Australian Eastern Time and 10 p.m. for the WA viewers. Don't forget, you need to get your photos in by Wednesday next week so that we can uh, get those up and, and, and be able to answer your questions for you. You can do that via Facebook. Uh, but also one of the really important things for me is please state your, not just your name, but your state and suburb and, of course, then the question that you're wanting to ask. Remember, you can always jump on the website and catch up with previous stories of the Garden Gurus at gardengurus.tv um, or on your YouTube channel, which is also the gardengurus.tv. You can listen back to today's live stream and catch up on previous episodes at Spotify, Apple Podcasts and also Audible. And don't forget, tune into Channel 9 this Saturday at 4.30pm local time to catch Episode 10 of the Garden Gurus Autumn 2022. Have a wonderful week. Until I see you next week, happy gardening. The Garden Gurus is back with a brand new season this weekend. Make sure to check out your local TV guide for your times.